What it do? Welcome to another new episode of Locked on Bucks. On today's show, the Bucks seven-game win streak comes to an end after a Christmas Day L to the Knicks, 129-122. to 122. Despite 32 points from Giannis and 32 points from Dame, it wasn't enough to overcome Brunson and the Knicks. So what went differently for the Bucks in this matchup in comparison to what we saw against the Knicks on Saturday? All that and more coming up on today's episode of Locked on Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Camille Davis. You can catch me weekly on the Technical File Podcast, as well as Cheesehead TV's Carry the G and MKE. And to recap this Christmas Day game, we got a trio going on today. Joining me is uh, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network, as well as Frank Madden, longtime voice of the pod and founder of BrewHoop.com. We all appreciate you tuning in and thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, as well as on YouTube. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Now, Justin, the Bucks fourth quarter comeback, the efforts came up short tonight. It seemed like throughout this game, every single time the Bucks were able to cut that lead down to five, six points, they just weren't able to get enough stops. And the Knicks lead would just balloon right back up to 10, 11 points or so. I'm sorry. Did you say enough or any stops? <laughs> I, uh, I don't recall any of those. And this was kind of the inverse of Saturday where uh, the Bucks built up the lead. We saw the Knicks twice cut it in half where I think it was around 16 and they cut it to eight and five or so a couple of times, largely due to Jalen Brunson. But the Bucks answered each time. And that's what the Knicks did, that it just got to the point where the Bucks knew they had to score on every possession, which they did largely down the stretch. But it, it started to become not only do we have to score every possession, we probably need to hit a three every possession. And towards the end, that just kind of evaded them. So uh, it, it, look, I, I don't want to make too much out of one game out of 82, but this one, if you're in that camp of, I don't care about the numbers, they haven't played anybody and I don't trust this team. This one defensively felt a lot more like the first four games of the season versus what we'd seen in December and, and every game since then. Yeah, and that could be a narrative that one might pick up. The Bucks in big games so far this season, right? We had the big Boston showdown, and they got outworked for most of that game, made it close at the end. You had your in-season tournament game in Vegas against the Pacers. That was an L. Christmas Day, another L there. Frank, when you're looking at this game and the Bucks' performance, was there anything that you saw tonight that just kind of had you go like, hey, they could do more of this, we could win. Or was it just a performance, in your opinion, where you just were like, the Bucks just, they didn't have it tonight? Well, I mean, the, the opener, season opener was a little bit of weird circumstances for the Sixers. Um, but I will say, like, let's also throw that in. I mean, you, you did beat the, the Philadelphia Sixers, which right now, you know, that was the difference between the Bucks, you know, being the second seed and the third seed. Um, I think now they're back to, to equal on uh, in losses, and we'll see what happens tonight with the Heat hosting the Sixers, no Jimmy, no Joel. So I'm sure the league office loves that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the, you know, the, the second half of the third quarter after they make the run, Pat Connaughton hits that kind of pull up three and transition to cut the lead to four. And it felt like, I think it was 77, 73 felt like, okay, here's all this, this Bucks momentum. Giannis was starting to kind of get 
you know, downhill and, and starting to get into a comfort zone. And you felt like, okay, the, now it feels like this might be where the Bucks kind of flipped the script here. But um, shout out to a friend of the pod, Alex Goodkin. I was messaging with him. I think he called out that the Bucks uh, didn't get a stop for the last five minutes and 33 seconds of the fourth of the third quarter. And then I think Brooke Lopez had a block um, with under 11 minutes to go early in the fourth quarter where Mm -hmm. they finally got a stop, but basically six minute stretch plus almost seven minutes where you didn't get a stop. So um, I would say Camille, like not much in that, in that sort of section of play, probably that we want to say, like, let's bottle that and and figure out how we kind of, you know, use that more moving forward. Um, You know, I just felt like anytime the Knicks kind of drove, um, they were able to either get a layup or a foul, you know, and some of those are probably bailouts that, that one foul that Julius Randle drew on Brooke, where he was just kind of spinning and, and threw up a really tough fadeaway. That one was, you know, I, and I didn't really see a close replay that, that like definitively said it wasn't a foul, but it didn't seem like it was a foul. That was tough, but you know, again, the bucks again, sort of played into the Knicks hands. And, um, and again, like some of this is, you know, in the fourth quarter going with Bobby Portis over Brooke to close is a choice. Obviously they did that because they wanted to be able to switch. Problem is Bobby can't switch and stop Jalen Brunson either. Um, and even when Giannis got a switch onto him, you know, what did Brunson do? He drove to the basket, stopped on a dime and Giannis went crashing into him, sent him to the foul line, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so unfortunately I think it was, you know, some of it is again, why is Bobby Portis closing over Brooke? Again, I wouldn't do that in a game like this, especially cause it didn't seem like Bobby had his a game did have 12 points and I think he had five or six offensive rebounds, but um, missed all four of his threes. And, you know, I think there are a number of those, if they go down, maybe the game is a little bit different, but Brooke um, was shooting better. And, and again, it's not like there was any obvious answer here playing drop. Obviously it was not some miracle tonic that was working particularly well, but I think it when someone tweeted at me after the game and said, you know, is, are we putting too much on Jay Crowder to, to fix this defense when he comes back? And I'd say, if you're expecting Jay Crowder to fix this defense, yes, you're putting too much on Jay Crowder. I think Jay Crowder is not going to fix this defense, but I think it's an interesting kind of highlight, uh, highlight something interesting about the Bucks, which we've talked about, you know, in all the, the era of kind of the bud, bud era, Giannis didn't play tons of center with basically like four wings and, and guards, but they played a lot of times, like up to like 10, 15% played a lot more the year that Brooke was out. He basically hasn't done that at all this year. And again, I don't think it's because Adrian Griffin like doesn't want to play small or switchy. In theory, that's what Adrian Griffin wants to do. But there's really not personnel to do it. And I think Jay Crowder may be the only guy on this roster that you can look at and say you could put him at the four with kind of the other regular guys and Giannis at center. That could have been potentially an interesting option to roll out in a game like this where it feels mm-hmm. like you're really getting cooked in pick and roll and you need some kind of other options. And heck, we saw, we saw him put Jay Crowder on Brunson in I think that mm-hmm. first game that that yeah. ninth game of the year or whatever 10th game of the year or whatever it was because Brunson was cooking the buck so badly and they wanted just some size and physicality on Brunson so again Jay Crowder's not stopping Jalen Brunson either but again with situations like this you, know, you give up a 129 offensive rating you got to have different pitches I thought the zone that they went to in the second quarter which actually came when Brunson was on the bench I thought that was a little bit weird I thought they would wait until Brunson was in the game I thought that kind of threw the, the Knicks off a little bit. We've seen that work for at least periods for the Bucks at times this year, especially relative to how porous their man defense can be. So I thought maybe it'd be interesting to see if they went to more of that in the fourth quarter just to try anything because they couldn't get stops in the conventional way. But again, I think this just sort of highlights the fact that this team just doesn't really you know, have reliable ways 
to lock down the other team has kind of figured things out. And, um, you know, again, you need different pitches in the NBA, I think defensively. And so far, I think this is a team that's still figuring out what pitches they even have kind of in their repertoire. You mentioned that we saw Jay Crowder on Brunson earlier in the season. I thought it was interesting tonight that we saw Chris Middleton on Brunson because it seemed like that same theory, like let's throw some size at Brunson to see if this can slow him down. That didn't make much of a difference. Andre didn't make much of a difference. It just didn't seem to matter too much tonight uh, who the Bucks put on Brunson because he still cooked up at that 38 tonight. But a difference in between this performance and last times we've seen the Knicks and Brunson where Brunson has had good games against the Bucks consistently so far this season. But tonight last he got few, some help. Yeah. He got some help tonight. R.J. Barrett had more points in the first quarter tonight than he did in Saturday's entire matchup against the Bucks. Quickly had 20. Randall had 24. And then during down the stretch, we saw just some interesting decisions like the Bucks not choosing to foul after Middleton hit that floater to cut the lead down to six with like 35 seconds left. Don't foul for 17 seconds. And then next thing you know, like they finally do foul to 18 seconds left. Randall makes both. And now you're down eight points with 18 seconds left. And that's hard to get back from. Like, Justin, what did you think of the late game execution from the Bucks down the stretch as well? Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, that one specifically, I mean, it it felt like the game was over earlier than it was officially over just because of what we spent the first part of the show talking about and that the Bucs couldn't come up with stops. So it, it doesn't matter if you're scoring on the other end. You have to stop them sooner or later. So the the that that possession and that sequence where you waited until seven seconds left and Randall was out there on the perimeter at, at a vulnerable spot before following him, I mean, it was frustrating, but I, I don't really think it had all that large of an impact on the game. It was starting to feel like that Celtics game where the Bucks were out of it for large parts, if not all the game. But then Damian Lillard just goes nuts and you look up and you think, how is this a two possession game or, or how is this down to, to a one possession game at that point? Um, so that's that's what I, I took from that, that their late game execution wasn't great, but I don't feel like they were totally in the game. I know the score would say they were, but again, you just have to come up with stops. And it it felt like Brooke Lopez was really under attack today that you felt yeah. bad for him, that it seemed like every time he turned around, he was getting attacked and having to contest a shot that I think it was a number of things that we could point to of guys just did not have good games. I think uh, as much as, as we've heaped praise on Andre Jackson Jr., he was not very good today in his minutes on the defensive end. And it was just the point of attack where it it wasn't just getting beat. It was how easy the Knicks made it look with scoring the ball. It was like you were playing somebody online in 2K. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm a two, I love playing NBA 2K. So that's definitely true. Looks like you're uh, in random wreck or something like that. And you're just like, it's, it's easy buckets here. But just, to your just point, knew, just knew that that was playing right into your, your wheelhouse. Yeah, you know it. You know it. You don't see the, the 2K clips you, on Twitter soon. Gave you that hoop to, to Camille for that one. Yeah. <laughs> But to your point about just differences that we've seen, we don't want to overreact from a one-game sample size at all. But this is the fourth time that the Bucks have seen the Knicks so far this season. We see them another time um, later on in the season in April. But I want to dig into some differences that we saw from this matchup in comparison to Saturday's game, as well as just other matchups against the Knicks since we have that type of sample size. And I want to dig deeper into that right after this. First, I want to talk to you about our partners from eBay Motors because eBay Motors has teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd in order to bring you some of the best fantasy picks 
each and every single week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for your daily draft or you're scouting the waiver wire, you're looking for a, maybe a quick DFS play. Listen, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guarantee Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Another familiar name, Grayson Allen. Bradley Bill is still out. We've seen him in six games for the Sun so far this season, and during those games it hasn't been great. Yet and still, with Bill expected to be out through January, Grayson Allen should continue to see strong minutes and have a nice increased usage role for the next few weeks. That's what you want. You want the usage. You want the opportunity. And Grayson Allen should have that. Josh Loy from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors know the championship team is about each and every single player being a perfect fit. Ironically enough, that's the exact same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Between brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it is that your ride needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every single time, or your money back. Again, you can get your money back if it doesn't fit because they guarantee it will. Plus, at these prices... Listen, you're going to be burning rubber and not cash, so make sure you keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guarantee Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only and exclusions do apply. Mention the fact that we want to dig deeper into what we've seen differently between the Knicks and what we've seen in the Bucks games in their four matchups so far this season. But before we dive into that, I do want to take the time to quickly say again, thank you for tuning in because we truly appreciate it, especially all of the everydayers who tune in Monday through Friday, those who join us on YouTube, especially our little live shows. Appreciate that. And if you enjoy what we do on Locked On Bucks, I got to put you on to something else that you might enjoy here because Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you with 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day. And it's brought to you by all the local experts of Locked On Plus, our national shows that cover every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, Frank, it is difficult to beat the same team multiple times. The Bucs came into this game with nine straight victories over the Knicks. That's three in a row so far this season. What differences did you see from this matchup in comparison to Saturday's or the earlier two games against the Knicks? Because one thing that's been interesting about the Knicks-Bucks matchup so far this season, the Bucs have had some really crazy three-point shooting performances against the Knicks so far this season. The Bucs have shot 50% or better from three in four games this season, and three of those have been against the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, the three-point shooting is obviously the the kind of thing to start with here. And, and again, both teams ended up shooting right at 31%. So it's not like the Bucs were the victim of some you know outlier performance from the Knicks. But the Knicks just don't shoot tons of threes, and they don't really rely on threes. Um, so I think, you know, again, <clears throat> if you're the Knicks, you probably feel pretty good if you come in knowing that you're going to be about even percentage-wise from three as as the Bucks, given kind of everything you've seen from the Bucks and just generally kind of how they're constructed. So um, I think that's kind of the easy kind of point to hit on. Um, but it's sort of interesting. I mean, is I thought the physicality of the Knicks in the first quarter, um, you know, we can talk about, did Giannis not get some calls? Sure. But, um, you know, overall, uh, I thought the physicality was good. Taj Gibson had a couple sneaky little strips on Giannis mm-hmm. when the Knicks were kind of building their lead. Um, so Giannis just four out of 10. I think Chris, Giannis, and Dame were all four for 10 in the first they half. Were. 
And you, know, you look at the kind of total, the, the kind of all-in scoring numbers, um, you know, I think that was, what was it, two straight games over the weekend here where all of them were 20-plus in both games. Chris, 20, um, was it 20 or 22 on uh, on Saturday, and today he was for 24. So offensively, I mean, the net, the, the end of the day, you were at a 124 offensive rating. You were better than, you know, your already juggernaut offense in a game against the Knicks, who they've dropped off a bit. They're now 14th in defense. But, you know, as much as the offense, I think, wasn't crisp and kind of felt like they were in mud a bit in that first half, you know, at the end of the day, you, you scored enough points to win this game for sure, 122 and that really good offensive rating. So really it just comes down to to the defense, I think. And, um, you know, you look at some of the kind of the distribution of the numbers. There's not really a good story anywhere. anywhere. I mean, I thought the, the transition story really favored the Bucks on Saturday today. Bucks did get out and were able to do some things in transition, but the Knicks were really good in transition. Um, definitely had a big advantage there, whether it was off steals, off rebounds. Maybe it wasn't quite as egregious as, you know, some of the like running off a make type type stuff that we've seen, uh, for instance, in like the Pacers games and things like that. But, you know, definite advantage for the Knicks there. And then, you know, they were better in half court as well. You know, the points per play on the first shot, they had a clear advantage there. Um, and the Bucks were more effective getting kind of those second chance points and, and finishing off offensive rebounds. But, um, you know, again, it's kind of hard to to make a living winning games that way. Maybe with the Knicks when they had Mitchell Robinson, you know, they, they were able to win a number of games just purely kind of on the offensive glass. But, you know, as much as the Bucks can do that at times, um, that's really not kind of the recipe for for how they win basketball games. So, yeah, I think it was just, again, kind of looking at the defense. And I, I mean, I think this just sort of gets back to kind of the big picture, right? I think, you know, to Justin, to your, to your point earlier, right? I mean, I don't think it's worth kind of, using like living and dying game by game. Right. I mean, it's a big season. And I think you just sort of look and say like, okay, well, did, did we learn anything in the grand scheme of things or does it just sort of reinforcing kind of some of the strengths and weaknesses that we already knew they had. And that's pretty much what we saw today. Right. Yeah. Even for all the, the offense not being perfect, they scored a crap ton of points. Giannis struggled early, really started to figure out the game as it went on, ends up scoring an efficient 32 13 rebounds, six assists, three stocks. Um, you know, Dame gets his points, maybe not a great shooting night for him. And Chris, um, 24 points, you know, season high from him, right? And I think he had five assists as well and was hitting some shots to keep them in in the second half. So, um, yeah, I mean, the offense will figure it out. It felt like they were playing more. I felt like we saw a steadier diet of Dame Giannis pick and rolls um, in this game and, and yeah. perhaps the last couple games than we have maybe previously. Um and, you know, again, I, I think if whether they do that or not, I think they're probably going to score a lot of points regardless. But again, kind of everything just comes back to the defensive side. And yes, we saw some Andre Jackson and, you know, I think his energy will always be a, a positive on that end. We saw a lot less Malik Beasley. And what do you have, like practically half as many minutes today yeah. as he did on Saturday and he wasn't hitting a bunch of shots. So can't really argue with it. But um, but yeah, I think, again, sort of the the eye test, right, defensively, even if the numbers are improving defensively, you just compare kind of their defensive wing rotation against all the other contenders. There's nobody, there's nobody that you say is like the guy that's going to defend the other team's best ball handler. And so we're kind of just in the same spot that we have been just sort of bemoaning like, well, what are they going to do ahead of the trade deadline? Right. So it feels like kind of a broken record, but this definitely felt like a game where that was true. And, and again, it's not just Brunson. I think if one guy hurts you, you know, not the end of the world, but when Brunson hurts you and then quickly comes in and he really hurts you and Barrett hurts you and everybody hurts you, um, it, uh, it becomes really tough to win a basketball game.
when everybody hurts you the story of the 2010 <laughs> 2017 bucks um and like that last point though is is to me one of the bigger ones is you look back to saturday and the knicks they weren't winning the brunson minutes their bench was terrible and it, it hasn't been good all season long so today you had to win those minutes that brunson wasn't on the floor and the the knicks bench made the bigger impact they only had seven points at halftime and we saw guys start to explode. I think quickly had 20 points. He reached that 20 point mark in like 19 minutes that yeah, he was quick. scoring in bunches. And, and Josh Hart started to hit some shots too. Um, Dame to, to Frank's point, not a great shooting day, especially from three. When you look at the four of 13, I think he started zero of five though. So he was much better in those uh, last few quarters. And as, as the game went on, but you know, I know every game, is like this, but it, it really just seemed like the defense started to get away from them uh, around midpoint of the first quarter. And that's where the game was lost. When you look at every other number here, I mean, the Knicks offense was unstoppable against this, this defense, but the way they closed the quarter to all of a sudden take that nine point lead, every other quarter was even or close that the bucks mm -hmm. were staying with them. It was just, you let go of the rope in that first quarter. And that proved to be the difference. It did, and the Knicks set the tone pretty early. They had a season-high points in the paint tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. They had 72. I, I think that's the third team this season to score 70 or more in the paint against the Bucks. You know, as a Wisconsin sports fan, I'm tired of teams getting season highs and careers high against my teams. I just have to say that out loud. And Frank actually touched on something I want to dig deeper into as well, mentioning that Malik Beasley only played 19 minutes tonight. That was almost a season low outside of the 14 minutes that he played um, against Brooklyn earlier in the season. So I want to take a look at this. Like, could this be the start of a trend that we're seeing with Malik Beasley's minutes? Or is this just a blip in the matrix for the rotation right now? I want to take a look at that coming up next. Christmas Day may have passed, but hey, gifts may still need to be purchased. Whether that's a late gift for someone else. Or if you want to treat yourself to something nice, maybe an experience, Game Time will have you covered. Using Game Time is the best way to find the best deals on the best seats for the hottest events. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Plus, with Game Time, you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you'll know exactly what to expect once you arrive in the venue. The all-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without any hidden fees. Plus, you can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Make sure you go and download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Malik Beasley, 19 minutes for him tonight, as mentioned. It's his lowest since November 5th in that Brooklyn game where he played 14 minutes. And that game was interesting during that time period because we were seeing his minutes decline. And we were wondering, hey, he started off the season playing in the 20s. Now he's on the 14. Is this something or is this nothing? And they continue to increase thereafter. But tonight, Malik Beasley was, being honest, he was getting cooked on defense. 
But the thing is, it's not unlike he hasn't been getting cooked defensively throughout this season so far. It just felt as if Adrian Griffin was like, you know what? Tonight we're not playing those games, so we got to try something different. So, Justin, I want to ask you first, do you think it's something or nothing uh, with Malik Beasley's minutes tonight? Um, Boy, I think it's – how can I couch this as best I can? Potentially something uh, – like if we see this continue against – Brooklyn and, and into Cleveland in the next couple of games where Malik Beasley is still like 15 to 19 minute range, then it's definitely something. I I think everything was kind of strange today when you look at some of the other minutes played. And I saw some people questioning too, like, why did you have Bobby Portis closing the game? Well, because Griff wanted to switch. And we mentioned how, you know, Brooke Lopez was just constantly under attack. So I, I think there was some weird things there. To me, the bigger thing. Um, and look, we've, we've all talked about this before. I don't think Malik Beasley has been um, – I don't think this is his best role to be starting there where he's probably best served to be coming off the bench and giving you your scoring and a little more judicious in the lineups that he's used in. But I just think, number one, I, I don't know what other options you have because it's, it's still going to be a learning experience for Andre Jackson – um, but that's this is what we've talked about. Of you can't really do anything until Malik Beasley goes through a stretch where he's just not shooting the ball, and then you can examine things. This is still just one game. He shot pretty well on Saturday, but to me, the bigger thing is he only took two shots. And I get that yeah. his his minutes were limited, but you've got to take more than two shots, even with Giannis and Damian Lillard on the floor. And, and that's part of the the larger discussion of the first point of is this the best usage in those minutes when those guys are on the floor. But we know you can shoot, and, and that's your strength. You need to get up more than two shots in a game, and especially when one of those was a three and the other was not. Like That's the bigger thing is, look, you have to score the basketball, Malik, and, and we got to find ways to get you better looks if that's the case, or you just have to be more aggressive in those minutes around the floor. Yeah, absolutely. And I should be clear, it's not through like an effort. We've seen what Malik, like Malik is trying his hardest on defense. It's just that the results that we're getting tend to see his, the guy he's defending blow past him a lot of times. And it was putting Brooke in those awkward situations. Again, wasn't just Malik tonight on that, but his minutes as the starting two guard are definitely worth taking a look at. So Frank, in your opinion, is it something or nothing with Malik's minutes tonight? Um, I would say it's, Nothing in the sense that I don't I don't think he's, you know, I mean, he, he was out. We saw Andre start a couple games. They won games. And then, you know, Malik went right back in the starting five. And he played really well um, the other day, right? On Saturday, shot it really well. We got some of his wiggles uh, after made three-pointers. All was right in the world. And, you know, the, off the, the starting lineup, I mean, is like a plus 18 net rating this year, right? Like, the the numbers are terrific even the defense is has been good with that group overall it doesn't really make sense to me why <laughs> why the defense would be so much better other than the fact that you know you've got Giannis and, and Brooke out there yeah um and just the work that they do but you know and there's really nothing kind of like like the the three-pointers you know own versus opponent three-point numbers with that starting group are also like pretty much even like there's nothing kind of like weird or outlierish about that it's not like they're just getting really lucky with opponents missing threes so I think it's kind of this, this thing that I sort of continue to kind of go back and forth in my brain with, right? Like if Andre Jackson was starting and that lineup had the the net rating numbers that the current starters have, I think I everybody would feel a lot better because in theory it would be like, well, yeah, that 
They're right. good defensively because Andre takes the, the lead ball handler and he's got that athleticism and size and he bugs people. And it would just sort of like make more like intuitive sense to us again, sort of like how do you square the numbers with the eye test and et cetera, et cetera. In this case, you know, that group has been really effective and we expect them to be awesome offensively. But the defense with that group, I think, has been better than than you would expect. And it's really been a lot worse when you get in any sort of bench groups um, outside of that starting five. So I don't know. It's just kind of one of these things I've been wrestling with. But again, my default I always come back to is, you know, Denver, right? Yeah, Denver used to have questions about their defense. But at the end of the day, they have, you know, KCP, Aaron Gordon um, that they have out there playing high-level defense to kind of, uh, you know, compensate for the fact that they don't have great defenders at other spots. Um, you know, Philly, yes, they have Tyrese Maxey, but every other guy that they have aside from Embiid and Maxey at this point are like versatile, like rangy defender type guys that they play. So, um, you know, I think at this point, if you're thinking the Bucks are going to win a championship, it's it's on the all gas, no breaks hypothesis. Um, because look, every team tries harder in the last five minutes of basketball games. I don't think, you know, I think their success defensively late in games, again, is that because they're like tapping into some innate ability they have, you know, uh, offensively, yes, but defensively, you know, I think, you look at it and you would still have major concerns around that group um, late in games, trying to close out, you know, big playoff games, especially like in the playoffs, right? Like there are people are going to attack weaknesses um, and exploit things that maybe they aren't as, as not interested, but you know, they just don't go out of their way to do as much in the regular season. I guess the upside is like we saw in that Dallas game when Luca and Kyrie, like it was almost like they didn't even really try to do anything complicated because it was just like, well, Dean Beasley, we both can take these dudes, so we'll just kind of go one on one. And maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe just like you know, tricking it's the a uh, Jedi mind trick. It's to... the Jedi mind trick, right? It was like Joe Ingles. Remember when Joe Ingles would like find himself defending good players last year, and it would just be like, wait, what? Like, okay, I guess I'll just try to take Joe Ingles one on one. Um, it's not really the way I want to live and die in playoff games defensively. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just keep coming back to. I have a hard time banking on, you know, Marjon slash Ajax, like getting the rope and becoming the, the defensive stopper guys. A lockdown defender in the playoffs. Yeah. In the playoffs. Yeah. I think that's just, that's just a really tall order. Um, and so I think the question is just like, is there some, some move you can make that, uh, that gives you that guy? Cause again, that's everything that comes down to for me is just, is there a move for, uh, you know, again, a role-playing defensive starting shooting guard basically that's kind of what it what it comes down to and whether the guy's a little bit bigger a little bit smaller i don't even know if i care that much but just somebody out there that you feel like can force a guy can can really get over a screen and just not you know lay out a red carpet in a pick and roll or again just give give up the edge like right when a guy's attacking because the other thing too is that you know i said it before like it's not just the kind of quote-unquote bad defenders in a game like this but i think back in the fourth quarter like Giannis and 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 Andre like basically were trapping Brunson on the left side and he just went around him. <laughs> it's yeah. just like those are your two dudes that you would say, okay, like those are the guys I feel good about if they're like, you know, playing a pick and roll. Even those guys were making mistakes. And you know, Giannis, especially one on one, I think, has had a pretty up and down year, right? I mean, his his stock numbers have recovered a lot. The defense is much better, obviously, when he's on the floor. But, you know, again, like I don't think he's, you know. Camille, I sold you my Giannis Defensive Player of the Year stock. A lot of that was because of the team just not having a good enough defensive yeah. ceiling, I think. But I think in a game like this today, I, again, you needed somebody to make an impact defensively, and neither Giannis nor anybody else was able to do that in the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, it seemed like every time Giannis was getting himself involved in the play defensively, it always seemed like it was a second too late um, to actually make an impact. So it was one of those games for sure tonight for the Bucks. But as we record this, it is Christmas Day. I appreciate you both for making some time out on this holiday to talk some Bucks, especially after an L. After a win, it's a little bit easier to get everybody on. Like, hey, guys, let's talk about Bucks basketball. But appreciate both of you stopping by today. Um, in order to talk about this loss to the Knicks on Christmas Day. And that'll Very, do it for us today. Yeah, it's time to get saying, back to family and food and, and presents and things of that sort. I was going to say, we just came in rip-roaring, ready to complain about stuff and <laughs> forgot to say Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, so shout out to uh, to everybody for that. And we've got some turkey. I've got some turkey dinner here waiting for me in a couple hours. So Ooh. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what you guys have. Uh, we basically have Thanksgiving on Christmas is what we do. Same. We open presents on Christmas Eve. But um, yeah, so um, we'll, we'll eat the pain away. Let's just do that. <laughs> well, I hope that everybody has an enjoyable meal today, an enjoyable day. And again, thank you all for listening to us on this Christmas Day episode of Locked On Bucks. We're going to get out of here. Make sure that you go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to that first ever national sports 24-7 streaming <laughs> channel. Locked on Sports Today comes through with that 24-7 coverage of all the top sports stories of the day with all of our local experts from Locked On. So make sure that y'all go and check that out uh, once you leave here today. For Frank, for Justin, and for myself, we're going to catch you all later. Thanks again, y'all. Merry Christmas.